This is Celine Roberts, and you're listening to Soundbite, the podcast that's food for your ears. This week, I'm taking a trip down to the run to hang out with Randall Hall, a beekeeper and owner of Bee Boy Honey. Since 2012, Hall has been focusing on urban beekeeping and selling his honey to local restaurants and the people of Pittsburgh. Now he has about 40 hives all over the city, with plans this year to put more in Spring Hill and the South Side. So let's see what the buzz is about. We'll start with bee safety. Is there anything I need to know about being around bees? Um, yeah, they will, they're pretty polite, but you need to kind of stay out of their way. Um, don't want to stand in front of their entrance because they'll wait for you to move, but if you stand there for too long, you'll kind of create a traffic jam and then they'll start to ask you to leave. And they don't, they don't sting right away in that way, but they'll start buzzing around. That's like their first line of defense is like the noise. That's the most enough to scare most animals off and people. And then if that doesn't work, then they'll start bumping into you. And then if that doesn't work, then they'll start stinging you. So you have, so you, like you have, a, you have some warning first. You have two chances. Yeah, and then and even then, it's it is like a last resort. They are gentle. If you let them know through gestures what you're doing, then they will allow you to do that. Before I pull that lid off, I'll kind of tap it, and then they'll be like, "Okay, he's going to pull the lid off." And the, um, there's some understanding kind of going that way. In the same way that they, if they don't want me here, they're gonna stop bumping into my face and I'll put on a suit and then probably leave. Um, but I'll let them tell me that, you know. So there are days when you might go out to check on a hive and they're not into it? Oh yeah, yeah, that definitely happens. So we're in a churchyard right now, down in the run, and they just gave you permission to... Yeah, so I, I've been living across the street for a few years and last year, the um, groundskeeper um, asked me if, if I'd put some bees in the yard because they have a little garden and they have all this land that's not being used and they to provide it to the community to kind of do whatever you want. And I'm the, the beekeeper, so I'm, this is what I'm doing here. We're looking at a set of wooden and cardboard boxes that are in the top field of this churchyard. So these are swarms I capture. and I want to see if they have a queen or not. I got them probably a week or two, probably two weeks ago, these guys. And um, sometimes in a swarm, the queen doesn't make it or she doesn't survive or as soon as they get into the new home, um, you know, she's on her way out or something. Or maybe I squished her in the transfer or something, you know, so. Does that happen often? Uh, no. No, but it can. It can. You can see there's a lot of bees here for a swarm that's been here for... I mean, how like many? A week or so? How many bees do you think that is? That's probably several hundred. Oh no, that's several like thousand? that's like thirty thousand bees right oh my there. God. And that's like uh, that's small in terms of size. These other ones probably have sixty or more okay. thousand bees. So I'm gonna lift this up, and what I'm looking for is eggs. So I don't need to see the queen to confirm that there's a queen. I just want to see eggs, and that'll be enough for me to be like, okay, they're doing fine. See if they need anything, and then we'll just kind of move on. I don't, when I was starting to beekeep, um, I would be a lot more intrusive. And now it's like, I try to do as little as possible and trust them to take care of themselves. And I just want to like help them be healthy. And if there's anything I can do, I'll do it. But um, 
So you open, for those that are listening, you open the lid of the box and you take off sort of like a, an interior lid. Yeah, it's called an inner cover. And then you smoked them, which does yeah. what? The smoking, it chills them out a little bit. So it, bees mostly communicate through pheromones. So by smoking, it, it kind of interrupts their communication a little bit. So, which, you know, makes them mildly confused, but chill. Yeah, I mean, they they immediately stopped buzzing quite as loudly. Yeah, it'll change their sound. But you can't do it too much. So this is nectar, that glistening wet. And then that's the yellow and orange, that's pollen. Pollen they feed to the babies. It's Pollen is a protein source. They feed that to the babies. Nectar is a carbohydrate source. It's what they make honey out of. Um, that's what the adults mostly eat. And you can see, I can point out, there's a male. See? And then these are females here. So you see the male is bigger and has giant eyeballs in the front. They have like little eyes. And he has a round butt. And sometimes they're like, the boys have um, like, a, like a furry fringe on their butt there. Oh, yeah, so kind of running. So they're quite a bit larger. They once you kind of get an eye for it, they're easy to spot. So there's one here. And the boys don't have stingers, so you can actually. Oh, I'm, sh I'm shocked! Wow, you're actually holding him. Hi, little buddy. So he's a little confused by that, but I don't want to be rude. But... But I didn't know that you could touch them like that. <laughs> he does have absolutely huge eyeballs. He looks like a, a creature from the deep or something. Yeah, and that's so that they, because they're. Their only real purpose of the drones is to mate with with um, unmated queens. Mm -hmm. So they have big eyes so they can spot queens up in the air where they, they mate like 50 to 100 feet up in the air. So they need sharp eyes for that. And that's about all they do. They um, The drones don't do any housework. They don't forage. The workers have to feed them. They're kind of just in the way and uh, they're clumsy. And uh, the, the, the workers will tolerate them during mating season, but um, the after- are all female. Yeah, the workers are all female. But after mating season, they will, they'll get kicked out of the hive. You can, you can start to spot them here. So this is all nectar through here. Nectar is, you know, the plant liquid they get from the flowers. They dehydrate that and make honey and add their own enzymes, but honey is basically just a hydrated plant nectar. Whenever it gets dehydrated to a proper level, so it'll start at like 70% water or, or more. It's mostly water. And then at that level, nectar will ferment. So they dehydrate it to like 17, 18% water weight, which it won't ferment it. And then they seal it up like this. And so this is like- That's comb? Would that be part of the comb? Yeah, they call it the capping of the comb. This whole thing is, these cells are all comb. They call this a frame. Comb is the wax that's built out. And then this is the capping of the comb. And so that's sealed up and that's like, uh, you know, that'll stay good forever. So they, they make honey because it stores. So they make it for something to eat when there's not available nectar source. So like winter, there's a dearth in usually in July and August. Um, so they're storing food for them. So that, that's what, that's like the purpose of honey. If the hives are healthy enough, 
and strong enough, they'll make a surplus. And if they make enough for them and then extra, then I get the extra stuff. I try to be soft about that where I don't take honey that would hurt them to take, you know. But if I see, no, here we go, okay. So there are, it's gonna be hard for you to see. What are you, yeah, what are you looking for? I see eggs in here. So in, see these, let me see how to hold this to the light. The little spots that look like Little spot, the and there's the queen, see her, right there? Oh yeah. Right here. So she, she looks kind of like a bee just stretched out. And She's she, got a really long abdomen. Yeah, and she gets that um, kind of like shiny bald spot on her back. That's natural. So she's like, she's juicy. She looks good. <laughs> um, so there's there were some eggs in the middle of this, these comb. It looks like a tiny piece of rice in there. Yeah, I see. You can see that. Where the light's shining yeah. through. And those eggs will hatch in three days. So if I see eggs, that's good enough for me to know that there has been a queen in here laying in the last three days. So they're fine. I can move on, see if there's anything I need to do. But I was looking today to see if they had a queen, and now they do, so they're good. And they're bringing a lot of food in. I'm looking for the queen, and just because when I put her back, I don't want to squish her. Mm -hmm. So she's right there. Good job, guys. So there's lots of different kinds of bees. I mean, there's 20, 30,000 or more native bees um, in our area. These are not native bees. Honeybees came from, these are European. They came over in the 1600s, um, so they but they've been here for a long time and they're they're feral generally. Like there's there's lots in the park that are untended. Most most hives probably aren't touched by beekeepers, but it's just like a slightly different thing that we do. Where you know they have a better chance of survival with my intervention than if not. So these I um, mostly bought from people who breed bees. So these are not mostly not collected, but two of the ones up here were swarms I caught earlier this year. It's swarm season now, which is when they reproduce and they send off little swarms and they get stuck in people's trees and houses all over town. And then we show up, um, beekeepers, and collect them and we get free bees and kind of provide a service to the people too. Um, so I'm happy to do it. So I think two of the hives up here, maybe more, are swarms I got from this year. And those could be feral bees that were just kind of living out, or they could be and other beekeepers that swarmed and they didn't catch it and someone called me first, um, I don't really know. I suppose it's not like you can really brand bees. No, but sometimes they have marks on them. They, uh, certain breeders will put like a little dot of paint on the queen so that she's easier to spot and then you can, there's um, like a code, like a color code that changes every year. So you can, if you mark a dot on a queen in blue, we know that that was a 2015 queen because the queens will live a couple years. So you know how old she is and like... How long do the drones live typically? Just a few weeks. Um, in the summer, I know that the workers live six weeks. The drones, something around there, and I'm not sure exactly. Um, in the winter, the bees will live a little bit longer because they, they do less work basically. So they don't, they don't age as quickly. But yeah, in the, in the summer season, the bees only live for six weeks. Yeah, the, the queen will live a few years, and so um, she's laying constantly to replace that. So she's, she's laying 1,000, 1,500 eggs a day because there's that many bees basically dying every day, too. Give me the bee breakdown basics. You've got queens and then workers and drones. Yeah. And what are their roles in the hive? Okay, so yeah, there's one queen per hive. Her job is 
to lay eggs. That's a, that's about it. She produces a pheromone too that the bees spread around and it keeps the peace between them. Where in the absence of that pheromone, they'll kind of lose focus on what they're doing and not act effectively as a community. Um, but that's about it. They used to think that the queen kind of told the bees what to do, the workers what to do, but that's turns out it's not really the case. They kind of tell her what to do and um, tell her, suggest to her where to lay and that sort of thing. But she really doesn't have a role beyond laying. And, but she's the mother of all the workers in there. So most of the bees in there, like, you know, 90% or more of the bees are workers and they're all females. They're not sexually developed. They can't lay eggs themselves under nor normal, normal circumstances. They're unmated. They're physi physiologically the same as a queen. So the same egg could be hatched and become a queen or a worker depending on how it's nursed. So all the, so there's one queen, she's the mother of all the bees, lots of workers. The workers basically do everything in the hive from housekeeping, nursing the bees, foraging, um, protecting the hive, uh, reproducing the hive whenever, it become, whenever they decide to swarm. The, the workers kind of head up that. The drones, they're like five or 10% of the hive at different times of the year. And the, they're the, the only males in the hive. They, they don't do much other than potentially mate. So they're just waiting around for a virgin queen to be in the area and then they compete for her attention and try to mate with her. And that's it, because they're, a queen only mates one, at one point in her life when she's like a week or so old. And she'll mate with as many males as possible and then hold on to that for the rest of her life and use it. She could live years. She has an organ called spermathea that holds on to the sperm for the rest of her life and she'll use it to fertilize the eggs. Um, you know, she'll lay millions of eggs over her life and she can, there's like a really interesting selection process that, you know, we don't quite understand, but she can use the good sperm and skip over the bad sperm. And so there's like a really effective like manipulation of genetics going on inside the queen. Like they're, they're pretty good at that. You would think that they would have to be considering that there's only one side that's changing. Otherwise, you'd get a lot of bees that were incapable. Yeah. From what we know about yeah. genetics. At uh, different times of the year, it's just spring and fall is mating season. And in other times of the year, there are no males in the hives. And then the queens will start laying all over the city. They'll all start laying drones around the same time in anticipation of, you know, a month or two from now is mating season someone might need these and so hives will put out as many drones as possible and it's cool because they don't they don't mate with their own queens so they're just around for the potential for other hives you know and that may not happen so a lot of, most drones never mate in their lives they just kind of die of old age or get kicked out of a hive after mate, mating season it's cool they the mating is um, it was a mystery for a long time no one had ever seen it until Sometime recently, uh, some Germans captured the video of mating and it had never actually been seen before because it happens 50 to 100 feet up in the air in these areas. They call them drone congregation areas, but like there'll be like an acre or two area that the drones will just kind of buzz around 
all afternoon waiting for Queen to, f to come up there and she can through pheromones figure out where they're at and then go up there and then the boys kind of chase her around and kind of mate with her but um, then you know people knew what was going on for a long time but no one had actually seen it until recently there's lots of things like that with beekeeping people have some general idea of what's going on but think you know things aren't confirmed and proved until 50 or 100 years later and you don't have to see every I mean beekeeping you know there's a lot of knowledge necessary to kind of like be effective, but there's a lot of missing knowledge too. And um, you're kind of just doing the best you can and trying not to screw it up. And there's, we all make mistakes and lose a lot of bees at first, uh, but then hopefully get to a point where you kind of get comfortable knowing that keeping them healthy basically. So if somebody was interested in learning about bees or beekeeping, where would you send them or what books or resources would you recommend? Yeah, there's two good places in town I'd recommend. One is Country Barn Farm, which is run by Joe Zerginski, and he teaches classes and sells equipment and sells queens in season and is a really good, helpful resource. Another one is Bird Bees, which is the nonprofit in town that handles beekeeping education, and they do a similar program of classes and intro classes and advanced classes and keynote speakers and they can hook you up with a mentor and those are the best places for people in town every community has like little beekeeping clubs that you kind of don't really know until you become a beekeeper and start meeting these people the best way to learn beekeeping is to get some good books meet some beekeepers and start to figure it out that way there's it can be best to do some research and meet some people and take some classes like the year before you get into bees because otherwise it can it can really get away from one of uh, like your bees grow up really fast and become difficult to manage if you don't know what's going on. Do you have any sense that this is um, a dying part or do you find that more and more people are becoming invested in it? No, I, I think it's uh, the interest in beekeeping is increasing. Um, this guy I met in Butler a couple years ago. I, I bought some queens off him as he was selling them. And um, he was a beekeeper and he, he, you know, he had like an Amish beard and overalls and cows and his farm. And I got to talking to him and I told him I had bees on the north side. And it turns out he grew up on the north side, a block off Federal in the 50s. And his neighbor had bees. And the other neighbor had goats. They don't like your microphone. And, you know, you could buy live chickens and slaughter them and all, all, you know, all these things that are, seem old-timey to us now. And he was really, we're, we're talking about, you know, where is this loss of information happening? Like, why am I the weirdo who's keeping bees on the north side? And, like, it's looked at as this old-timey, strange thing that I need permission to do when, you know, one generation ago people were doing that. This, this guy's like my parents' age. So like what happened in between his generation and mine where all this was changed, there, you know, the North Side was more populated at that point than it is now. So it's not, there's too many people or something. But what changed in one generation where people are so distant from their food source that like bees are weird and goats are weird. And what happened that it's weird, you're the weirdo because you have fresh eggs in your backyard, you know? Like, what? I, I don't know. I don't know, but, like, I don't want to do what I'm doing with any sort of chip on my shoulder of, like, like I have an agenda or something like that. I'm just trying to keep bees and make some honey and kind of do my thing, and people are really into that. Um, 
and it seems like the culture is changing in a way that whatever's going on with local food restaurants and produce, it's kind of just coming coming back to where it was maybe a few years ago. And it's not because, I don't know. I'm not sure why it is, honestly. You know, there have been, as the industry who sells equipment and bees has really boomed in the last few years, as the press about calling it collapse disorder and hard times for bees comes out and the importance of... Uh, eating local honey and using natural wax, um, there's there's a lot more beekeepers than there used to be. And even when I started a few years ago, um, there weren't a whole lot of beekeepers around. Now there's a lot of them. Uh, you know, most people are doing it on a very small scale, like a hive or two in the backyard. I still feel like we've only, like, barely scratched the surface with this. But yeah. thank you so much for showing me your bees and giving me some For sure, yeah. Thank you for, uh, for coming. It's, it's exciting to show people this stuff.